guys, thanks for coming to been at Relay. So just kind of as a reminder, we're doing a, a series called God's Epic Story. This is part six. So we're in our sixth message in our series, and we're walking through um, the storyline of the Bible. And my heart, my goal is that by the end, no matter where you find your story, because we understand the Bible has one ultimate author, God himself, though there's many human authors, there's one ultimate author, God himself, and it's one story. Although there's tons of pieces and lots of parts of this history, there's really one story from beginning to end. And we covered a lot of ground. We talked about Genesis, creation, and the to Christ and to us. We've talked about ex God's salvation of his people, him giving them the law, his presence through the tabernacle and temple. We talked about the kings and the promise of a king of all kings to come. And I love that this is the story of reality. This is the truth. This is what's real. This is how we, what's going to come in the future. This is how we interpret everything. It's through this epic story that God has given us in his word. And it gives us life to believe it. And we're hitting a huge section tonight, the prophets. So I have uh, the chart we used last time, the graph by Vaughn Roberts. He walks uh, this, this is kind of in his book, God's Is. People walks through a storyline of a little too much. And show this one time. I just kind of want you to see where we are in the story. So we began in Genesis with creation and Eden. You see the big fall going on there of mankind falling into sin. We saw through the Old Testament the exodus and then the law and conquest and the monarchy. And we talked about the kings last time and David and Solomon. And then after Solomon, you find that God's people are taken over by other nations. And what you see there is this sharp decline in Israel's history. It declines. Um, and, but at the same time, there's two things happening when you read your Old Testament and you read your Bible. You're going to read the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And you're going to read Daniel. And you're going to not ruling. God's people have declined. The kingdom is not ruling. They're not in the land anymore. They've been exiled to other pound. You will, f- but at the same time that Israel is prophetic hope, the prophets hold out this hope that God is not done with His people yet. That's what I want to talk about tonight. This huge section of our Old Testament of the prophets. When we hear prophets, probably. What you think about is, a, I saw a video this week of a guy who predicted the last three Super Bowl winners before the season began. And I saw a video of him showing videos before each football season saying before the season who would win the Super Bowl. And he got it right three years in a row. And this year he picked the 49ers, and the Chiefs to be playing in the Super Bowl. Who do you think he picked to win the Super Bowl this year? He picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl this year. It's pretty bold, uh, but that's, that's how we think of, of prophecies. You know, is that guy a prophet? He predicted three Super Bowls in a row, like these futuristic predictions. But the Bible has different words they use where we get the word prophet. There's three different terms the Bible uses, and the first two are very similar. They would, they would use the word prophet they would use, and, and it's somebody that God would give them discernment to see what was going on with his people. So sometimes 
Sometimes these visions God gave them were futuristic into what would happen to the people, but often God would reveal to the prophets what was going on with the people presently, why they were struggling, what sins they were wrestling with. God would give them discernment to see how the prophet was in an astray. And then the third term was God's spokesman. He declared God's message. So God would give this, this prophet like Isaiah, he would give him discernment into here's how my people are struggling. Here's where they've gone astray. And then he would announce to the people, he would say, these are the things you've done against God. And God would give them often crazy ways to demonstrate that to the people, not just that they had gone astray. He was declaring God's message. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. They were the ones who spoke God's message. And as you read through the prophets, it's not just books predicting the future, but it's reminding it's reminding Israel of their past. It's interpreting their present. And it's, it's in these futuristic predictions. It does have some of those. It does contain futuristic prophecies where God will often tell them, here's what I'm going to do for you and here's what to look for. And often these prophecies had to do with the Messiah the Savior. God would tell them through the prophet, come for you. I'm a God who's going to rescue you. Even though you've sinned against me and you've done all these bad things, I'm going to come for you and here's what to look for. And God would tell them through the prophets what they should look for in the Messiah. And it's amazing how they all came true. It's really amazing. It's what we're going to look at tonight. Our world is filled with failed predictions and prophecies. I mean, all you have to do is watch the weather each night. I don't think anyone predicted the 10 pollsters predict elections or investors predict the stock market. We have no idea what is coming. Here are some all-time famous failed predictions, okay? King George II said famously in 1773 that the American colonies had a stomach for it. In 1912, the company that built the Titanic declared that the ship was unsinkable. How many trips did it take before it sank? Zero. It was the first trip. It was number one. That was a failed prediction. In, I love this one. In 1939, the New York Times newspaper said the problem had to glue their problem with TV was that people, the average American, threw their eyes to a screen. Wow, were they wrong about that? I love this one. This was the president of a bank advising Henry Ford, who started, you know, mass production of the automobile, not to invest in the Ford company. He said, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. Wrong. We, we just don't know what's coming. We have all these failed predictions. And what's amazing, if you go through and you study the prophets of the Old Testament, how many specific prophecies there are about the Christ, 
the Messiah, and we find all of it comes true in the person, single work of Jesus Christ. Throughout the, te- the Old Testament, and there are over 200 prophecies or references to who the Messiah would be. Things saying, this is where he's going to be born, or this is going to be his lineage. Things he would do, even about how he would die. One man could fulfill all 200 prophecies. We have these uh, people who run statistics and odds for everything, basically. I was looking up different odds this week, like what are the odds these things would happen? What are the odds of finding a four-leaf clover? According to, to this statistic, it is four-leaf clover. In 10,000 clover, daughter Tess, we'll just be over. And I'm not lying. Oh, four-leaf clover, here you go. I'm like, just be walking down the sidewalk. Found one in my life. She's got them like laying around the house, like four-leaf clovers. And you know, one in 10,000 of finding a four-leaf clover. Uh, one in 1,400 chance of being born on leap day, February 29th. Any leap day birthdays in Relay? Leap day birthday? All right. Well, today, this year you get to celebrate a birthday. Yeah, be young forever. You know, it's a great time to be born. Odds of getting struck by lightning. One in 1.2 million. Odds of dying in a shark attack, one in 7 million. Odds of dying in a plane crash, one in 11 million. Chance of dying from sunstroke, one in 45. Sunscreen's the most dangerous thing you can do, it sounds like. Odds of winning a lottery jackpot, one in 300 million. The odds of completing a perfect March Madness bracket, one in 1.6 billion. You have five times more of a chance of winning the moral of the story is play the lottery. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is on the first day when your bracket is busted, so is everyone else's. That's the whole point. Nobody can complete that thing. And, and what's crazy is all of these things, even having a perfect March Madness bracket, one in 1.6 billion, than, than what they said, all of them are more man fulfilling, say, is possible of these Old Testament prophecies. All two, it's one in 10 to the 157th power. That's the odds that one man could fulfill all the biblical prophecies about the Messiah. And I have no idea how they came up with that number. And I don't even know what that number is. When you get to the 157th power, there's probably a name for that, but I don't know what possibility. Don't you love that? It's a statistical impossibility. They believe it is impossible. And what we find in God's epic story is Jesus fulfilled them all. All the prophecies, everything you read about in the Old Testament, as you study the prophets, every reference to who the Messiah would be, one man, Jesus Christ. 29 prophecies fulfilled in a single day, the day he died. This is where there is amazing detail, studying the prophets and reading the prophets and looking these promises that God makes to his people. Because the good news is for us, Hearing, okay, God's going to do this, and God's going to give you a new heart, and God's going to send his spirit, and God's going to send the Savior, and here's where he's going to be born, and here's what to look for. And the good news is for us is we get to keep reading the story. And we get to Matthew chapter 1, and Matthew is going to go into great lengths to say, 
This is the one. Jesus is the man. Isaiah, just as he is fulfilling all these prophecies, just over and over and over. This is said in Jeremiah, just as it shows us, Jesus fulfilled over the New Testament prophecies. I just want to highlight a few for you tonight. Prophecies about his birth. And, and I'm going to go through several prophecies and scriptures. You can just jot them down and go back and read them and study them later because they will build your faith. Prophecies about his birth, that he would be born. This is written seven over 700 years before Jesus was born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay, here's what to look for. Behold, the virgin and shall, shall conceive and bear a son. God shall call his name Emmanuel. Prophets, God telling us through his messenger, through having a kid, make a mental note to yourself, this is the Savior of the world. And the New Testament shows us this is exactly what happened with Jesus. The, the, the prophets talk about the place of his birth. Micah 5.2, around 725 B.C., wrote this. But you, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Out of hundreds and hundreds of cities in the scores of nations and existence all over the world, even in those days, God, the New Testament, just think about all that God did through Caesar calling the census and Joseph and Mary and having to travel to Bethlehem at the exact same time that Mary, who was a virgin, was going to give birth to the Savior. Where did God direct them to go to Bethlehem? Because he said, said the world is going to be born. There's prophecies about his life. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus will live without committing any sins. Okay, what are the odds of one man living a sinless life? That is a, that is a scientific impossibility, not when it comes to God. John 3, 5, Samuel, God with us. This is in order to take, says, you know that he in him there is take away sins. Throughout the New Testament, where Jesus is sinless, even even non-Christians, uh, even, even Pilate, even, even other religions see how Jesus is morally perfect. He was without sin. And God told the prophets hundreds of years in advance, this is my Savior. Isaiah 61 says that he would preach the gospel to the poor and brokenhearted. That he would proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Even Jesus himself, when he went back to his hometown, remember this scene, it's in uh, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is back in his hometown, and he's in the synagogue, and Isaiah 61, the prophets, and he reads that text about the Savior, and he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, saying, I'm the fulfillment, I'm doing these things, the things you hear me doing, that is showing I am the Savior of the world. Isaiah 35 said that he would perform five. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the gospels are just filled with miracles that Jesus did. Matthew 9, 35. 
Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Every kind, every kind of disease and kind of sickness. When we read those in Bartimaeus in our Bible, Jesus coming by and healing him. What we see is the Savior of the world. When we read those in our Bible, we're meant to think about the prophets. We're meant to go. As we're reading all these stories about Jesus, we're meant to go. Didn't God say somebody would come and be doing these things and he would be the Messiah? That's why even the people of the time are what the prophets said the Messiah would do. There, there's so many more uh, prophecies that he would be called the Son of God. Uh, uh, that there would be a prophet who prepared the way for him, which we see in John the Baptist. Prophecies that he would be anointed with the Holy Spirit, which we see at his baptism. Prophecies that him on a donkey, which happens before his trial and death. There are 29 prophecies about his death. Every one of them fulfilled in the last hours of Jesus' life as he was persecuted and killed. And some of these prophecies, when you read them, and other than this is the Savior of the world. Prophecies from Psalm 22 about the piercing of his hands and his feet. That was written about 1,000 B.C., okay, 1,000 years before Christ. That was 800 years before the Romans... And yet God crucifixion as a way to kill. This is what it's going to mean. The piercing God was saying, hey, they, you know what that meant at the time. What piercing of his hands. Significant that his hands and his feet would be pierced. Crucifixion wasn't even a thing then. The piercing of his side. Zechariah 12. When, when we see the soldier pierce, casting of lots for his clothes. When the soldiers are, are beating him and they strip him down naked and they're, they're casting lots for his clothes. God said that would happen in Psalm 22. And we read in the Gospels of Jesus' death and we see all of them line up with these prophecies that God told us to look for. I Messiah of the world. One of the most amazing Isaiah 50. I think about Christ and all of Scripture. This, this is way before 53. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. Listen to Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, the Bible not only tells us what is going to happen, but why it happens. Isaiah says, because we have turned away, he would be crushed for our, he would bear our sins as he died. And he had to be a spotless lamb, a sinless sacrifice. And you start thinking, you know, like uh, prophecies about his birth and prophecies about his life and his death. You know, like if you were reading those in the Old Testament and you were just all come together, how can one guy 
be this and proclaim the gospel and heal the blind and do these miracles and proclaim good news. And he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. And yet Isaiah 53 says he's going to be wounded for our transgressions and, and his stripes were going to be healed. How can this work? How can it all Christ that all of these? And it's just amazing when we think about And maybe these are fulfilled. was just a clever con man. Maybe Jesus read the Old Testament and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill all of these things. I'm going to make this happen in my life. But the sheer, number one, the sheer number of them makes it a statistical impossibility. But also, he's, there's no control over some of these events. You know, his parents and his place of his birth and how he would die, his burial, his resurrection could ever conjure up. These are not just vague predictions, but they're specific places and events in Jesus' life. And it's like God is saying to us, through the prophets, when you see these things, you will know this is the Savior of the world. Bertrand Russell, read uh, one of his writings in my worldview class. He was asked in an interview what evidence it would take for him to believe in God. So the interview said, what would it take for you to believe in God? This is what Bertrand Russell, the atheist, said. Well, if I heard a voice from heaven came to pass, then I'd guess I'd have to believe there's some kind of supernatural being. Listen, that's exactly what has happened. God has told us. He told us through the prophets. He wrote it down in his word. And we've actually found manuscripts dating before Christ which have these prophecies so we know they didn't go over Jesus. God add them in after Jesus. It was a voice from heaven telling God told us to look for in the saving us. Here I'll tell you this. Studying this is probably the thing over the years that has encouraged my faith in the gospel the most. I remember when I was in college studying these prophecies and reading Isaiah and going back through the Old Testament and just looking up all these 200 references to who the Messiah would be, single one of them, I had no explanation for it. Whenever I wrestled with doubt, Whenever I struggled with, man, is this real? Like, is, is God real? Is, is everything what he said, is the gospel real? I would go back here and it would build my faith. Because I would say, there's no other explanation for this. God told us, think of five. And we see all these things have come to pass. It has built my faith over the years. And what I just, my prayer for you, and what I want you to see behind all of this is God. It's God's epic story. Okay, this is not, has laid it out for us. He's told us what to believe and who to look for. God creating mankind, men rebelling against him, disobeying him, sinning against him and each other. God promising time and time again. That's what we keep studying in the story. I'm going to send one. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send, I'm going to send someone in the line of David. I'm going to send someone who's going to bring all the promises of Abraham, the covenant with him, so that all mankind is blessed. I'm going to send someone who's going to be sinless. 
and he's going to proclaim good news, and he's going to do these miracles. I'm going to send someone who will die because of your sins. I'm going to send someone to save you from your sins. For over a thousand years, God was declaring his intention to save us through a Messiah. And for over 2,000 years now, Christians have been experiencing the saving direction of Jesus. Trusting in the life, death, and this is the one. Jesus Christ. Listen, answer. He's the one. God, he is the one. When we, sing, when we sing that song tonight, all my boast is in Jesus. This is why. He is the promised Savior of the world. And I just want you to believe it. I want you to see this. And for you to go, there's no other explanation. But God did exactly what he promised he would do. And which means from your sins. Because he sent a Savior to die for you. All of this. Why would God do this? We see this and we say, okay, I believe this. Okay, okay, Mr. Plue, I have no other explanation. Yes, Jesus was the one. Why would God do this? That should be your next question. Why? Why would he over and And why would he do these things and end up dying for us? Why would God do this? Because he loves you. Because he loves you and he wants to save you from your sins. He sent Jesus, to bear his wrath for sin so that you would never have to. And as they longed for, everything they envisioned, everything they prayed for and hoped to see came true in Jesus Christ. And we have it now. We get to live in the good of everything they longed for. And if we lined up the prophets tonight, if they could come back and Isaiah and Zechariah and Ezekiel and Damas, if they could all stand and, and, and my you, you know what they would tell you right now? They would end up here and telling you who's going to win the Super Bowl, okay? That's not the kind of prophets they are. They would be standing up here and they would be telling you right now, Jesus was the one. He's the one. We knew we had this longing, and we, we, we didn't get to see it in our day, but you now have seen it. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus is the Savior of the world, and they would plead with you, turn from your sins and trust in him, and you get to be a part of God's epic story. You get to be a part of sins and of God. You get to be a part of receiving a new heart and being born and having the Holy Spirit and receive offered to you by the born again. All of this because Jesus fulfilled every prophecy, every promise. It has all come true in Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that God would open your eyes to see the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want to pray for you, and then we're going to return and do one more song tonight. So join me as I pray. Teen in this room here. I would like to see, hold on, Will. I would like to see somebody really box Will. Does anybody want to box him? Ben? Okay, come on, Ben. Come on. Let's, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Talent show, yeah. Maybe that could be a talent act. If you can box and beat up Will. You know what? I'll, I'll put $5 on it if you got them, all right? I'll give you five bucks. We need some boxing lessons, Will. Take him out. So, uh, all right. Um, well, they didn't have great boxing. I know it's been a little bit. 
Um, guys, thanks for coming to been at Relay. So just kind of as a reminder, we're doing a, a series called God's Epic Story. This is part six. So we're in our sixth message in our series, and we're walking through um, the storyline of the Bible. And my heart, my goal is that by the end, no matter where you find your story, because we understand the Bible has one ultimate author, God himself, though there's many human authors, there's one ultimate author, God himself, and it's one story, although there's tons of pieces and lots of parts of this history, there's really one story from beginning to end. And we covered a lot of ground. We talked about Genesis, creation, and the to Christ and to us. We've talked about God's salvation of his people, him giving them the law, his presence through the tabernacle and temple. We talked about the kings and the promise of a king of all kings to come. And I love that this is the story of reality. This is the truth. This is what's real. This is how we, what's going to come in the future. This is how we interpret everything. It's through this epic story that God has given us in his word. And it gives us life to believe it. And we're hitting a huge section tonight, the prophets. So I have uh, the chart we used last time, the graph by Vaughn Roberts. Here he walks uh, this, this is kind of in his book, God's is people walks through a storyline of a little too much. So this one time, I just kind of want you to see where we are in the story. So we began in Genesis with creation and Eden. You see the big fall going on there of mankind falling into sin. We saw through the Old Testament, the Exodus and then the law and conquest and the monarchy. And we talked about the kings last time and David and Solomon. And then after Solomon, mind that God's people are taken over by other nations. And what you see there is this sharp decline in Israel's history. It declines. Um, and, but at the same time, there's two things happening when you read your Old Testament and you read your Bible. You're going to read the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And you're going to read Daniel. And you're going to say, not ruling. God's people have declined. The kingdom is not ruling. They're not in the land anymore. They've been exiled to other pound. You will, But at the same time that Israel is prophetic hope, the prophets hold out this hope that God is not done with his people yet. That's what I want to talk about tonight, this huge section of our Old Testament of the prophets. When we hear prophets, probably... What you think about is, a, I saw a video this week of a guy who predicted the last three Super Bowl winners before the season began. And I saw a video of him showing videos before each football season saying before the season who would win the Super Bowl. And he got it right three years in a row. And this year he picked the 49ers, and the Chiefs to be playing in the Super Bowl. Who do you think he picked to win the Super Bowl this year? He picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl this year. It's pretty bold, uh, but that's, that's how we think of, of prophecies. You know, is that guy a prophet? He predicted three Super Bowls in a row, like these futuristic predictions. But the Bible has different words they use where we get the word prophet. There's three different terms the Bible uses, and the first two are very similar. They would, they would use the word prophet they would use, and, and it's somebody that God would give them discernment 
to see what was going on with his people. So sometimes, sometimes these visions God gave them were futuristic into what would happen to the people, but often God would reveal to the prophets what was going on with the people presently, why they were struggling, what sins they were wrestling with. God would give them discernment to see how the prophet was an astray. And then the third term was God's spokesman. He declared God's message. So God would give this, this prophet like Isaiah, he would give him discernment into here's how my people are struggling. Here's where they've gone astray. And then he would announce to the people, he would say, these are the things you've done against God. And God would give them often crazy ways to demonstrate that to the people, not just that they had gone astray. He was declaring God's message. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. They were the ones who spoke God's message. And as you read through the prophets, it's not just books predicting the future, but it's reminding it's reminding Israel of their past. It's interpreting their present. And it's, it's in these futuristic predictions. It does have some of those. It does contain futuristic prophecies where God will often tell them, here's what I'm going to do for you and here's what to look for. And often these prophecies had to do with the Messiah the Savior. God would tell them through the prophet, come for you. I'm a God who's going to rescue you. Even though you've sinned against me and you've done all these bad things, I'm going to come for you and here's what to look for. And God would tell them through the prophets what they should look for in the Messiah. And it's amazing how they all came true. It's really amazing. It's what we're going to look at tonight. Our world is filled with failed predictions and prophecies. I mean, all you have to do is watch the weather each night. I don't think anyone predicted the 10 pollsters predict elections or investors predict the stock market. We have no idea what is coming. Here are some all-time famous failed predictions, okay? King George II said famously in 1773 that the American colonies have a stomach for it. In 1912... The company that built the Titanic declared that the ship was unsinkable. How many trips did it take before it sank? Zero. It was the first trip. It was number one. That was a failed prediction. In, I love this one. In 1939, the New York Times newspaper said the problem had to glue their the problem with TV was that people, the average American, glue their eyes to a screen. Wow, were they wrong about that? I love this one. This was the president of a bank advising Henry Ford, who started you know, mass production of the automobile, not to invest in the Ford company. He said, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. Wrong. We, we just don't know what's coming. We have all these failed predictions. And what's amazing, if you go through and you study the prophets of the Old Testament, how many specific prophecies there are about the Christ, 
the Messiah, and we find all of it comes true in the person, single work of Jesus Christ. Throughout the, te- the Old Testament, and there are over 200 prophecies or references to who the Messiah would be. Things saying, this is where he's going to be born, or this is going to be his lineage. Things he would do, even about how he would die. One man could fulfill all 200 prophecies. We have these uh, people who run statistics and odds for everything, basically. I was looking up different odds this week, like what are the odds these things would happen? What are the odds of finding a four-leaf clover? According to, to this statistic, is four-leaf clover. In 10,000 clover, daughter Tess, we'll just be and I'm not lying. Oh, four-leaf clover, here you go. I'm like, just be walking down the sidewalk. Found one in my life. She's got them like laying around the house, like four-leaf clovers. And you know, one in 10,000 of finding a four-leaf clover. Uh, One in 1,400 chance of being born on leap day, February 29th. Any leap day birthdays in Relay? Leap day birthday? All right. Well, today, this year you get to celebrate a birthday. Yeah, be young forever. You know, it's a great time to be born. Odds of getting struck by lightning. One in 1.2 million. Odds of dying in a shark attack, one in 7 million. Odds of dying in a plane crash, one in 11 million. Chance of dying from sunstroke, one in 45. Sunscreen's the most dangerous thing you can do, it sounds like. Odds of winning a lottery jackpot, one in 300 million. The odds of completing a perfect March Madness bracket, one in 1.6 billion. You have five times more of a chance of winning the moral of the story is play the lottery. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is on the first day when your bracket is busted, so is everyone else's. That's the whole point. Nobody can complete that thing. And, And what's crazy is all of these things, even having a perfect March Madness bracket, one in 1.6 billion, than, than what they said, all of them are more man fulfilling, say, is possible of these Old Testament prophecies. All two, it's one in 10 to the 157th power. That's the odds that one man could fulfill all the biblical prophecies about the Messiah. And I have no idea how they came up with that number. And I don't even know what that number is. When you get to the 157th power, there's probably a name for that, but I don't know what possibility. Don't you love that? It's a statistical impossibility. They believe it is impossible. And what we find in God's epic story is Jesus fulfilled them all. All the prophecies, everything you read about in the Old Testament, as you study the prophets, every reference to who the Messiah would be, one man, Jesus Christ. 29 prophecies fulfilled in a single day, the day he died. This is where there is amazing detail, studying the prophets and reading the prophets and looking at these promises that God makes to his people. Because the good news is for us, hearing, okay, God's going to do this, and God's going to give you a new heart, and God's going to send his spirit, and God's going to send the Savior, and here's where he's going to be born, and here's what to look for. And the good news is for us is we get to keep reading the story. And we get to Matthew chapter 1, and Matthew is going to go into great lengths to say, 
This is the one. Jesus is the man. Isaiah, just as he is fulfilling all these prophecies, just over and over and over. As it said in Jeremiah, just as it said, Jesus fulfilled over the New Testament prophecies. I just want to highlight a few for you tonight. Prophecies about his birth. And, and I'm going to go through several prophecies and scriptures. You can just jot them down and go back and read them and study them later because they will build your faith. Prophecies about his birth, that he would be born. This is written seven over 700 years before Jesus was born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay, here's what to look for. Behold, the virgin and shall, shall conceive and bear a son. God shall call his name Emmanuel. Prophets, God telling us through his messenger, through having a kid, make a mental note to yourself, this is the Savior of the world. And the New Testament shows us this is exactly what happened with Jesus. The, the, the prophets talk about the place of his birth. Micah 5.2 around 725 B.C., wrote this. But you, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Out of hundreds and hundreds of cities in the scores of nations in existence all over the world, even in those days, God, the New Testament, just think about all that God did through Caesar calling the census and Joseph and Mary and having to travel to Bethlehem at the exact same time that Mary, who was a virgin, was going to give birth to the Savior. Where did God direct them to go? To Bethlehem. Because he said, Seven the world is going to be born. There's prophecies about his life. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus will live without committing any sins. Okay, what are the odds of one man living a sinless life? That is a, that is a scientific impossibility. Not when it comes to God. John 3, 5, Samuel, God with us. This is in order to take, says, you know that in him there is take away sins. Throughout the New Testament, where Jesus is sinless. Even even non-Christians, uh, even, even Pilate, even, even other religions see how Jesus is morally perfect. He was without sin. And God told the prophets hundreds of years in advance, this is my Savior. Isaiah 61 says that he would preach the gospel to the poor and brokenhearted. That he would proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Even Jesus himself, when he went back to his hometown, remember this scene, it's in uh, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is back in his hometown, and he's in the synagogue, and Isaiah 61, the prophets, and he reads that text about the Savior, and he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, saying, I'm the fulfillment, I'm doing these things, the things you hear me doing, that is showing I am the Savior of the world. Isaiah 35 said that he would perform five. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the gospels are just filled with miracles that Jesus did. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, 
teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Every kind, every kind of disease and kind of sickness. When we read those in Bartimaeus in our Bible, Jesus coming by and healing him. What we see is the Savior of the world. When we read those in our Bible, we're meant to think about the prophets. We're meant to go. We're reading all these stories about Jesus. We're meant to go. Didn't God say somebody would come and be doing these things and he would be the Messiah? That's why even the people at the time are what the prophets said the Messiah would do. There, there's so many more uh, prophecies that he would be called the Son of God. Uh, uh, that there would be a prophet who prepared the way for him, which we see in John the Baptist. Prophecies that he would be anointed with the Holy Spirit, which we see at his baptism. Prophecies that he on a donkey, which happens before his trial and death. There are 29 prophecies about his death. Every one of them fulfilled in the last hours of Jesus' life as he was persecuted and killed. And some of these prophecies, when you read them, and other than this is the Savior of the world. Prophecies from Psalm 22 about the piercing of his hands and his feet. That was written about 1,000 B.C., okay, 1,000 years before Christ. That was 800 years before the Romans... And yet God's crucifixion as a way to kill. This is what it's going to mean. The piercing God was saying, hey, they, you know what that meant at the time. What? Piercing of his hands. Significant that his hands and his feet would be pierced. Crucifixion wasn't even a thing then. The piercing of his side. Zechariah 12. When, when we see the soldier pierced, casting of lots for his clothes. When the soldiers are, are beating him and they strip him down naked and they're, they're casting lots for his clothes. God said that would happen in Psalm 22. And we read in the Gospels of Jesus' death and we see all of them line up with these prophecies that God told us to look for. I Messiah of the world. One of the most amazing Isaiah 50. I think about Christ and all of Scripture. This, this is way before 53. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. Listen to Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, the Bible not only tells us what is going to happen, but why it happens. Isaiah says, because we have turned away, he would be crushed for our, he would bear our sins as he died. And he had to be a spotless lamb, a sinless sacrifice. And you start thinking, you know, like uh, prophecies about his birth and prophecies about his life and his death. You know, like if you were reading those in the Old Testament and you were just all come together, how can one guy 
be this and proclaim the gospel and heal the blind and do these miracles and proclaim good news. And he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. And yet Isaiah 53 says he's going to be wounded for our transgressions and, and his stripes were going to be healed. How can this work? How can it all Christ that all of these? And it's just amazing when we think about Jesus. And maybe these are fulfilled. It was just a clever con man. Maybe Jesus read the Old Testament and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill all of these things. I'm going to make this happen in my life. But the sheer, number one, the sheer number of them makes it a statistical impossibility. But also, he's, there's no control over some of these events. You know, his parents and his place of his birth and how he would die, his burial, his resurrection could ever conjure up. These are not just vague predictions, but they're specific places and events in Jesus' life. And it's like God is saying to us, through the prophets, when you see these things, you will know this is the Savior of the world. Bertrand Russell, read uh, one of his writings in my worldview class. He was asked in an interview what evidence it would take for him to believe in God. So the interview said, what would it take for you to believe in God? This is what Bertrand Russell, the atheist, said. Well, if I heard a voice from heaven came to pass, then I'd guess I'd have to believe there's some kind of supernatural being. Listen, that's exactly what has happened. God has told us. He told us through the prophets. He wrote it down in his word. And we've actually found manuscripts dating before Christ which have these prophecies. So we know they didn't go over Jesus. God add them in after Jesus. It was a voice from heaven telling us. God told us to look for in the saving us. Here I'll tell you this. Studying this is probably the thing over the years that has encouraged my faith in the gospel the most. I remember when I was in college studying these prophecies and reading Isaiah and going back through the Old Testament and just looking up all these 200 references to who the Messiah would be, single one of them, I had no explanation for it. Whenever I wrestled with doubt, Whenever I struggled with, man, is this real? Like, is, is God real? Is, is everything what he said, is the gospel real? I would go back here and it would build my faith. Because I would say, there's no other explanation for this. God told us, think of five. And we see all these things have come to pass. It has built my faith over the years. And what I just, my prayer for you, and what I want you to see behind all of this is God. It's God's epic story. Okay, this is not, has laid it out for us. He's told us what to believe and who to look for. God creating mankind, men rebelling against him, disobeying him, sinning against him and each other. God promising time and time again. That's what we keep studying in the story. I'm going to send one. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send, I'm going to send someone in the line of David. I'm going to send someone who's going to bring all the promises of Abraham, the covenant with him, so that all mankind is blessed. I'm going to send someone who's going to be sinless, 
and he's going to proclaim good news, and he's going to do these miracles. I'm going to send someone who will die because I your sins. I'm going to send someone to save you from your sins. For over a thousand years, God was declaring his intention to save us through a Messiah. And for over 2,000 years now, Christians have been experiencing the saving direction of Jesus. Trusting in the life, death, and this is the one, Jesus Christ. Listen, answer. He's the one, God. He is the one. When we, sing, when we sing that song tonight, all my boast is in Jesus. This is why. He is the promised Savior of the world. And I just want you to believe it. I want you to see this. And for you to go, there's no other explanation. But God did exactly what he promised he would do. And which means from your sins. Because he sent a Savior to die for you. All of this. Why would God do this? We see this and we say, okay, I believe this. Okay, okay, Mr. Plue, I have no other explanation. Yes, Jesus was the one. Why would God do this? That should be your next question. Why? Why would he over and why would he do these things and end up dying for us? Why would God do this? Because he loves you. Because he loves you and he wants to save you from your sins. He sent Jesus, to bear his wrath for sin so that you would never have to. And as he longed for, everything they envisioned, everything they prayed for and hoped to see came true in Jesus Christ. And we have it now. We get to live in the good of everything they longed for. And if we lined up the prophets tonight, if they could come back and Isaiah and Zechariah and Ezekiel and Damas, if they could all stand and and, and you. You know what they would tell you right now? They would end up here and telling you who's going to win the Super Bowl, okay? That's not the kind of prophets they are. They would be standing up here and they would be telling you right now, Jesus was the one. He's the one. We knew we had this longing, and we, we, we didn't get to see it in our day, but you now have seen it. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus is the Savior of the world, and they would plead with you, turn from your sins and trust in him, and you get to be a part of God's epic story. You get to be a part of sins and of God. You get to be a part of receiving a new heart and being born and having the Holy Spirit and receive offered to you by the born again. All of this because Jesus fulfilled every prophecy, every promise. It has all come true in Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that God would open your eyes to see the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want to pray for you, and then we're going to return and do one more song tonight. So join me as I pray. Teen in this room here.